there definitely is a link between nutrition and mental health. And what I love to say to people is our bodies need nutrients to survive, not only survive, but to thrive. We don't need calories. We don't need carbs, protein, and fat. We need nutrients. So the body doesn't create our happy hormones, so serotonin and dopamine, it doesn't just create those by magic, it needs the raw materials to be able to make those. Welcome to the practice of health with me, Charlie Tunmore. The purpose of this bite-sized podcast is to empower you to take ownership of your own health. I'm a certified health coach, I manage a yoga studio in London, and I'm a jiu-jitsu purple belt. In each episode, I explore an area of holistic health with a guest. Nutrition, movement, sleep, stress, and much more. And we share tools and principles that you can implement in your life today. After all, health is a practice, not an idea. Hey friends, this is episode 43, Mental Health and Nutrition with Dana Chapman. Dana and I were both part of Peckham Festival a few weeks ago and we both held workshops on various health and wellness topics. Dana is a nutritional therapist specializing in mental health. She is on a mission to empower people with knowledge about how their bodies work equipping them with tools that enable our bodies to work better. Mental health is complex, and unfortunately, conventional medicine only helps 50% of people suffering from poor mental health. Let's start taking control of our health and our mental health by supporting our bodies to work at their best. You can find out more about Dana and her work via her website, which is dc-nutrition, dot co dot uk and her instagram is at d chappers nutri and i'll put all this and more information about mental health and nutrition in the show notes so take a look at that after the episode and we talked about a lot today a lot of things to do with the link the connection between mental health and nutrition and there's more and more research more and more people talking about this uh, I find it super fascinating and it's super important that we need to talk more about this and how different parts of our health, as most of us know, affect our mental health, whether it's the food we eat, how we move, how we sleep, what our stress level is like. So today we talked all about brain health, gut health, um, how to reduce inflammation, improve your digestion, foods to eat more of, this is super key. Um, breathing practices especially around eating times and lots more so I'm really excited to put out this episode today and I hope you get a lot from it any feedback and questions are always welcome I am very honored to say that Plant Power is sponsoring today's episode Plant Power is a plant-based meal service located in the reception of Diesel Gym London healthy meals snacks and juices are available daily My personal favourite is the Power Bar, and it is run by my very good friend, Alex Manousos. So, without further ado, here is my conversation today with Dana Chapman. Dana, 
welcome to the practice of health. Thank you so much for coming on. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time today to come on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. No worries. I um, first wanted to start by saying congratulations for, for running the London Marathon last weekend and wanted to kind of see how the experience was for you. Yeah, gosh, life-changing. I think I'd spoken to my personal trainer about it before and she said it absolutely will just change your life. And it's just amazing to run with so many different people from those who are sprinting past you to those who are trying to carry themselves through and the support along the way was just incredible as well. Mm. Yeah, but it's a it's a, as much a mental battle, the race, as it is a physical battle. So you definitely have to have both parts ready to go when that um, when you hit the start line. I completely agree. The mental and the physical, yeah. that's, I guess, part of what we're going to talk about today is how to look at health holistically yeah. and how nutrition, as obviously you're a nutritional therapist, how the links to all different parts of the body. Mm. Um, and really going to get the conversation what I wanted to have today mm-hmm. um, is about mental health nutrition. Yep. And it's something that is getting a lot more traction. And I definitely am fully in support of it and how nutrition can support people's mental health. Mm. But there are people that both of us know who maybe are unsure of it or mm. still feel there's not enough good evidence for it. Mm. Um, first, I'd be interested to know kind of, yeah, what's your take on mental health nutrition? Mm-hmm. And do you feel there is a real connection between it? Mm. And then maybe if you're able to give one or two examples of how you've supported people, clients yeah. in your own practice. Yeah, absolutely. So there definitely is a link between nutrition and mental health. And what I love to say to people is our bodies need nutrients to survive, not only survive, but to thrive. We don't need calories. We don't need carbs, protein and fat. We need nutrients. So the body doesn't create our happy hormones, so serotonin and dopamine, it doesn't just create those by magic, it needs the raw materials to be able to make those. But mental health is always also so much more complicated than that. I think everybody who has a mental health condition has been told at some point in time that it's an imbalance of chemicals in their brain. But we now know, and the research is showing, that mental health is so much more complex than that. It's not just a lack of those happy hormones or neurotransmitters. It's also got to do with gut health. It's also got to do with what stress you've got in your life. And it's also got to do with inflammation. So I always like to... uh, tell my clients and speak to people about all of those elements that have a role in our mental health. And therefore, when you have a nutritional therapy perspective of it, we don't only talk about food, we also talk about lifestyle, environment, we talk about genetics. So it's about bringing all of those into the picture, looking at the individual in front of you, not trying to put them in a box, but trying to understand what their life experience has been up until now have they been exposed to massive amounts of stress that then triggered this mental health condition have they always suffered from it when did it start what was happening when it started and trying to understand what those triggers were for that person developing that mental health condition so yeah when I speak to my clients about mental health and their mental health condition I speak to them about all of those aspects. How are they eating? How are they sleeping? Are they moving? 
what brought this on in the first place and then we use all of those elements as well to help that person feel better so if I had to give an example of what I've taken a client through it would be how are you eating first and foremost because that's almost a quick win can you bring in more protein because serotonin is made from an amino acid tryptophan if you're not eating enough protein you don't have the raw materials to be able to make your neurotransmitters so can we bring more protein in there fat is something that I love to bring into people's diets Uh, I think we're still quite a fat phobic nation but the brain is 60% fat and that's what we've got to remember we've got to be feeding the brain fat so that it can support itself so that it is healthy in itself so bringing in the healthy fats and then bringing in nutrients that are needed for that conversion of tryptophan into the amine into the neurotransmitter serotonin things like iron and zinc things like magnesium your b vitamins are all very important for converting that tryptophan into your serotonin which is your happy hormone and then i always talk about gut health as well because of the link between the gut and the brain so the gut and the brain i always like to say separate from the same cell in utero but they're connected via the vagus nerve and actually 90 percent of signals go from the gut to the brain And we know now through the research that if you are supportive of gut health, that has a positive impact on your mental health. And then I always talk about inflammation as well, because um, we know through the research, again, that inflammation plays such a big role in mental health conditions. So just trying to find out from the client if they are suffering certain symptoms of inflammation, like achy joints or a bit of brain fog or things like that to try and identify um, what's if they do have inflammation and therefore how to support that as well. Does that give you enough of an example? That I does. feel like I might have gone <laughs> on a tangent. No, I love, I love that kind of three-pronged approach about looking at gut health, yeah. looking at the brain, looking at inflammation. And when you're kind of talking to clients, I think you said before that you do certain, you can do certain tests as well. Yeah. Or I guess you, you know, have lots of conversations with them, get them to fill out forms and kind of ask them maybe what they're eating, things like that. Is that, I guess, how would you find out more about um, what they're going through and kind of like how to support them? I often like to actually suggest functional stool testing to my mental health clients and people kind of think why on earth are you testing my poo when you're trying to understand what's going on in my mental health but it's because there's certain bacteria within the gut that we know are missing in people who have mental health conditions and a few of my clients who have had those stool tests done they do have um, a lack of that bacteria that is very supportive of mental health so understanding what's going on in the gut what the gut microbiome is like whether there's inflammation how is the gut actually functioning because if your gut is not functioning properly the food that you you won't be absorbing the nutrients from the food that you are eating so it's an all-encompassing thing the gut really so we need the gut to be functioning properly and we need the microbiome to be really diverse and robust to be able to help support that mental health condition because the gut is very key in creating our neurotransmitters so 95% of serotonin is actually made in the gut um that 
serotonin may not actually reach the brain so it's the inflammation in the brain that stops the serotonin binding to the serotonin receptors and we think that's the connection between serotonin inflammation and mental health but the gut is really important for creating short chain fatty acids and from that you can create your neurotransmitters but short chain fatty acids are also very important for uh, healing and sealing the gut so the gut lining actually uh, regenerates every three days so wow. you need that really rich short chain fatty acid production to be able to support the lining of the gut yeah. amazing yeah <laughs> <laughs> that what what really fascinate, fascinated me about learning more about gut health and, and digestion about how early on your digestion process starts about mm. when the food enters your body mm. and even before that how mm. to get into a more uh rest digest and mm. recover system mm. about more smelling the food mm. about maybe taking some deep breaths to get into a more relaxed state because mm. uh, i'm often sometimes quite stressed when i eat mm. or eat too quickly mm. and as you know you probably work with clients about we then don't often chew our food mm. and then obviously the food isn't broken down in our body and that can cause a whole host of issues in our body yeah um, i was wondering if you could speak more about that and kind of the, the first part of digestion mm. where it, where it starts so digestion starts before we put food in our mouth. It's called the cephalic phase of digestion. So just by looking at your food and smelling it, or even actually the thought of food, if you had to close your eyes right now, what's your favorite food? Um, today, I'm going to say avocado. Oh, so if you close your eyes and you think of an avocado and you can see it so ripe and... I don't know whether you're going to slice it or mash it on some toast or something, but if you even think about that with your eyes closed, your mouth starts to salivate. Um, and that just goes to show how quickly that cephalic phase of digestion starts. And that is really important because that's already indicating to the stomach to start producing stomach acid and to uh, the digestive enzymes for them to start working and preparing for food to come into the body. And we're often missing that because we're not actually preparing our food. So we're not there in the kitchen smelling our food. We're not taking the time to sit down and look at our food and smell it. We're just literally often people are sitting at their desks and eating food. So you miss that whole first phase of digestion, uh, which is so important, like I said, for creating stomach acidity. Uh, then we put food into our mouth and we should be chewing our food between 20 and 40 times each mouthful. <laughs> when I tell people that, that's the exact response I get. Wow, really? <laughs> uh, I think some people I've seen chew their food like three or four times and I look at them going, how on earth is that food even chewed? And it's not. So we need to be chewing our food really well to mix it with our di digestive enzymes. And then the food goes on into the stomach. But like I say, if it's if you've missed that first cephalic phase, the stomach is a very acidic environment and it needs to be acidic to break down those proteins because breaking down the proteins helps release the amino acids from that protein. And if we're not breaking those proteins down properly, those proteins can end up in the gut and then the non-beneficial bacteria in the gut can feed off that protein and start to putrefy. So it's not a nice picture. But the other end of the spectrum to that is if we're not producing enough stomach acid, often people get acid reflux. 
And another misconception is that acid reflux is because of too much stomach acid, but we know that it's actually because there's too little stomach acid. And it's because we're missing that first phase. We're missing the smelling of our food. Uh, yeah, so like I said, if you're not breaking down our food sufficiently, you're not able to absorb the nutrients from that food because your s- small intestine and large intestine aren't able to work on that food enough to extract the nutrients from it. And if we're eating in a stressed state, we know that stress forces blood flow to the periphery, to the brain, and makes you very alert. You're able to have energy to run away from the danger. But that energy and that blood flow has got to come from somewhere, and the somewhere that it comes from is the digestive system. So you don't have the blood in the digestive system to help that digestion process. So eating on the move or eating in a stressed state, you're not going to be digesting that food because you don't have the blood flow to your digestive system. Your body is primed for exercise, primed for getting away from the danger, not primed for sitting there and digesting your food. Yeah, it's something I'm going to, I'm, it's a practice I'm continually doing. I'm I'm getting a little bit better uh, every week, but I definitely struggle with it. I'm sure lots of people who listen to this episode today are struggling with it. And it's one of those things that is free to do. It's sort of, there's a lot of things which we can do, which are free or low cost that can improve our health, especially our gut health. And by taking a bit longer especially when in a shared setting like put your fork down in between mouthful yeah maybe if you're um there's a slow eater in the room sort of like pacing yourself with them and just taking i what i do now is i take a few breaths before i start eating and that just starts to put me in a state even just that little thing smelling the food as you said Mm. um really Mm. helps me and kind of prioritizing it maybe Mm. some people prioritize working out or meditating or like you know, walking or some other kind of practice that really helps them. Yeah. All of us eat, I hope most of us eat three times a day. It's, yeah. We might take a lot of energy and effort making the food, but mm-hmm. then we kind of wolf it down. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the whole part of the food process and mm-hmm. cooking and eating, that we mm-hmm. make this lovely food. Let's mm-hmm. enjoy it and take time. And maybe if we're with a loved one, eating it is sort of like eat for a bit, talk, and kind of use that, use the food as a part to kind of... Uh, grow a community yeah. and can support yourself in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's what, how we need to start seeing food again. I think we did way back in the day and lots of Mediterranean countries still do. They have that whole um, process of dinner or having a meal together where it is a process of a shared meal and conversation And it's that whole picture that is really so supportive of our health overall, um, but our mental health as well. Yeah. 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 So we kind of both met, um, as we both did workshops as part of Peckham Festival. Mm -hmm. And one of my my workshops on gut health, Mm -hmm. and I believe your workshops were on gut health as well. Or was it it gut being part of it, but more related to mental health, nutrition in general? It was entitled Eat Yourself Happy. So I focused more on diet and how diet can be supportive of mental health. Mm. But in that, I also explained the importance of gut health and the importance of the immune system um, or inflammation and the importance of stress and stress reduction as Mm. well. Because I've been here 
maybe what questions people asked you but for me when I did my gut health workshop one of them was about supplementation mm. and probiotics mm. and I guess in our kind of culture a lot of people want to go down that route straight away the first mm. thing to change because mm. it can be quite simple and easy just take a little kind of pill or tablet and then yep. hopefully that will sort everything out mm. and I think a lot of these things have their place for some people yeah but how I feel is there's a lot of things we can do beforehand before we get down to a level yeah. about what you said about what we eat how we eat it yeah. why we eat it when we eat it and yeah. then further down the line maybe I've been on antibiotics before and had kind of uh, inflamed appendix and yeah. when I had that the docs recommended antibiotics and I took um antibiotics sorry but then I also took probiotics as well yep yeah. to balance it out yep yeah. um I know what I, obviously what I just said there um is a bit different but what's your opinion on probiotics and supplementation? Is something that you recommend to most people or mm-hmm. only kind of select few who are going through certain, I guess, health issues? I think the first issue with going down the supplementation route is we're kind of almost conditioned for a quick fix. We think one pill is going to make us better. We think adding one thing in is going to make us better. But we need to be thinking about our health more holistically than that so I don't like to supplement generally with probiotics because they're very transient they only work when they uh, go through the system and we also have to be careful about where we're getting our supplementation right the supplement industry is not regulated so anyone can kind of manufacture anything and sell it With probiotics, you've also got to be really careful because you're putting one or two strains in, whereas we've got 37 trillion bacterial cells within our gut. And of those 37 trillion, you've got loads of different species of bacteria. And if you're putting the same probiotic in over and over again, you can end up having an overabundance of those species of bacteria but really what we want is that really diverse microbiome so lots of different families of bacteria within the gut so when I work with clients if they've had a functional stool test and I can see that certain bacteria is lacking then I will use a probiotic supplement for a period of time to get that specific bacteria um more prominent within the gut but what I like to do is speak about using fermented foods and I've been doing that a lot more myself through training for the London Marathon is starting to bring in a lot more fermented foods but also trying to use prebiotics in a better way so feeding the gut microbiome um, is what prebiotics do and that's what you really want to do you want to fertilize what you've got there rather than chuck in some supplements that are just going to be transient so when I say transient what I mean is if you take a probiotic it works as it goes through but it's not going to inoculate your gut with that bacteria three months down the line you may or you may not find that bacteria that you have supplemented in your gut the gut uh, microbiome is very quick to respond to food. So I like to use food, foods that are high in polyphenols, so that really dark, rich red foods and purple foods really help feed the gut microbiome. We know that fiber is really supportive of the gut microbiome, so I like to use fiber. And then, like I said, those prebiotic foods, so that fertilizer to help uh, 
really nourish the gut microbiome. So here you're thinking about things like garlic and onions and leeks and green bananas. And I love to use resistant starch. I love to use it with my training as well. So cooked and cooled potato and cooked and cooled sweet potato, cooked and cooled rice, all of those things are resistant starch. So they don't have an impact on your blood sugar levels because they pass through the digestive system, end up in your large intestine and act as food for your gut bacteria. So it doesn't spike your blood sugar levels, but you're also feeding the gut microbiome at the same time. I guess I'd be interested to know from you if, I mean, what I always kind of ask people is to do with like health practices. Mm-hmm. Um, just because a lot of things we've talked about or that I've talked about before on the kind of episode to do with holistic health and mm-hmm. sometimes it can be a bit more based in kind of theory and it's good to kind of have some kind of practices that people can put in their own life mm. i guess today looking at mental health nutrition and maybe to do what foods to eat mm. um but there are one or two things that you like to kind of maybe when people are starting to work with you mm-hmm. or that you like to give as advice that people can try and experiment in their own life and see if it works for them yeah i always like to suggest doing small changes that are achievable but that you will do for the long term so it is a lifestyle change if you are suffering from a mental health condition the first thing that I would be saying is make sure you're getting enough variety in your diet make sure you're getting enough fiber in your diet so including things like beans and lentils into your diet nuts and seeds are a great way to up fiber I never recommend bran flakes um but just looking for those whole food sources of food I love to include pre and probiotic foods so something like a kefir is a really great addition and a sauerkraut or a kimchi so if you wanted to just make one or two changes maybe that is this week you go out and you buy some kefir next week you might go out and buy some sauerkraut and you have a tablespoon with lunch every day or a tablespoon with dinner every other day so just making those small changes but including it in your life and making them long-lasting changes because it's not ever a quick fix and it's not ever one thing that is supportive and then what we've spoken about already is that deep breathing practice before eating I actually, I think I tell every single one of my clients that because you want to put your body in a rest, digest and repair mode when you're about to eat and a simple breath practice such as breathing in for four and breathing out for six for a minute helps shift you from that stress, get up and go state into your rest, digest and repair your parasympathetic nervous system state where you're going to be digesting your food. So maybe it's going to be a minute of deep breathing before breakfast, lunch and dinner. And it can be something as simple as that, that you then incorporate in your life. Breathing is huge. And it Mm. could be something if you're as a family or there's like one or two people in your house eating with, um, you just sort of start to make that into a practice, a habit before you eat. Maybe you'll kind of just, you know, sit down, ready to eat. Mm. Maybe look at each other and be like, right, let's just breathe for a bit. Mm. Breathe for 30 seconds, mm. breathe for a minute. And even a short time like that, you can feel a subtle kind of change mm. in your body. So, yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to kind of try that for my <laughs> for my lunch today. And I'll, I'll let everyone know how I, how I get on. Great. Um, but before we kind of leave today, is there anything that you wanted to share in terms of kind of where people can find you or work with you? 
Thank you so much. Uh, I do have a website, so www.dc-nutrition.co.uk. I am on Instagram as well as dchappersnutri. I'm on LinkedIn, so most of the social media platforms you can find me. I do work with clients on a one-to-one basis, so I run a six-session foundation program, and everyone who I start to work with needs to go through that program because... Like we've said, uh, change is not, you know, changing your health is not a quick fix. So I do that. But in the new year, I am launching a group program as well. So that will come in for the lower budget. Um, It it will come in at a lower budget, but just be a little bit more general and a little bit more broad. And I will be doing a free challenge in November as well. So if you follow me on social media, Sign up to my newsletter if you go onto my website and you should get the details of that if this goes out before November. Yeah, yep. definitely. It'll be out next week. And yeah, thanks for coming today um, for this podcast. It was really kind of great to get to know a bit more and um, yeah, look forward to talking more about this stuff in the future. So. Thanks so much, Charlie. I help people eat better, improve their sleep, move more and reduce their stress by focusing on the foundations of holistic health that are simple and accessible to practice. Email charlietunmore at gmail.com that's T-U-N-M-O-R-E to book a free health assessment with me. I am not a doctor so please do not substitute this information for medical advice. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode useful and want to support the podcast, please share it, give it a five-star rating and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps the practice of health empower more people to take ownership of their own health.